Good morning. Welcome to Laurel Heights. Here's what we do. We take our Bibles and we open them. And this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. One of the prominent personalities or names in the New Testament is the Apostle Paul. He was not with Christ as one of his disciples in the early days. But upon hearing the gospel, he turned from his sin, was baptized, and then began his life as a Christian, being assigned the task of apostleship. Now, here was a man who never took for granted the grace by which he was saved from his sin. And that awareness led him to write the words that you heard earlier that we're going to read again now in 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'm starting at verse 12. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I want us to begin this morning with a very simple observation about what we've read. The Apostle Paul was open and honest about his sinful past. Never boasting of his greatness or goodness. No claims that he was good enough without Jesus Christ. Paul exhibited humility, honesty, and openness about his own sin. In this text we've read, he is very specific. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he adds this, of whom I am the foremost. I want you to compare what Paul said in the passage we've read to this quote I'm going to show to you on the screen. This is a quote from Mike Bloomberg. He said, I'm telling you, if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not even stopping to be interviewed. I'm headed straight in. I have earned my place in heaven. 
It's not even close. Do you stand with Bloomberg or the Apostle Paul? I'll tell you, I'm with Paul. I have sinned. I cannot make any claims of righteousness that originate just in me. I cannot talk on and on about what I've achieved in holiness. I hope it is true of every one of us that we can offer up Paul's confession. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And the only way I could get out of my sin and the only way Paul could get out of his sin and the only way you can get out of your sin is to admit your sin, turn from it, confess your faith in Christ and in repentance be baptized. Then walk in newness of life. Otherwise, lost. It seems to be that Bloomberg has captured the default secular idea about going to heaven if there is one. He doesn't even have full confidence in God's existence, but it sounds like he just wants to sort of be sure. Like a lot of people, the popular idea is, I do some very good things, I'm generous and I work very hard and I take care of my family and I'm not a criminal and I'm nice to people and I'm a good neighbor, so I get to go to heaven. To boil this down to its simplicity and express it crudely, the idea many people have is, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. And that's often said, illustration here, that's often said in a very boastful, extreme, defensive way. I'm good enough. Let me in. I don't even need to be interviewed. This is an idea that ignores the reality of God and what God has said about sin. And it's an expression that leaves out entirely Jesus Christ, the Savior. And it will result, this idea, in Judgment Day surprises. I want us to have our Bibles open this morning. We're going to deal with this. We're talking about the popular self-salvation viewpoint that says, I'm good enough and boast about it. I'm going to take us to several different places in Scripture. And in each case, there will be God's answer to the concept that is so popular, I'm good enough. Romans chapter 1, please. We're going to do some reading. Romans chapter 1. We never apologize here for reading God's Word. We have just completed a study of the book of Romans in our adult Bible class, and we discovered in the very early part of our studies, in the early chapters of Romans, that Paul prosecutes the case that all men are guilty of sin. No matter your background, Jew or Gentile, no matter how good you think you have been here under the sun, 
No matter what your race is, social standing, worldly success or failure, Paul essentially says there's really one problem. There's really one problem. I'm in Romans 1 and I'm going to start at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they know God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Is there anything in that list you've been guilty of? Have you ever told a lie, coveted anything, ever been a participant in gossip or any sexual sin? Have you ever disobeyed your parents? Paul says those who practice such things deserve to die. Paul is saying, here is the problem. It is sin. Now, some reading this might be inclined to say, well, yes, there are people who do these things, but not me. Go on into chapter 2. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Where is Paul headed with this? What is he trying to say to his readers and his audience in Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2? 
He's taking us to this conclusion in chapter 3, verse 23. Listen carefully. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does Paul do next? Well, from here on, Paul gives the good news, the remedy, the provision of God, of salvation in Christ received by the activity of faith. Isn't it clear? Nobody is good enough. Nobody is good enough. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Start with verses 1 and 2 of Acts 10. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. Now, stop there a moment. Don't you already like this guy? Doesn't he already make a good first impression? Doesn't this look like a good successful man? A Roman military officer, yet his high position did not keep him from being a good neighbor and good citizen of Caesarea. A devout man. He feared God, a family man, with his household, generous to the people, and he prayed continually to God. I tell you, when you start reading in Acts chapter 10, you like this guy. But liking someone doesn't mean they get to go to heaven. Being admired here on earth is not a free pass into God's presence. I'm sorry, Michael Bloomberg. So, here's what we are told in Acts 10. After we're told about this good man, an angel of God told Cornelius that he needed to welcome an apostle into his house. That apostle was the apostle Peter, who after some reluctance arrived at the house of Cornelius. Now I want you to mark in your Bible what Cornelius said as this meeting started when Peter came in. I'm at verse 33 in Acts 10. I want you to mark this in verse 33. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God. We're all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Cornelius is a good man, but now it looks like Part of his goodness and devotion to God was to be willing to hear what God was now commanding. So we're impressed by the man at another level now. Cornelius doesn't say, hey, I'm already a good man. I'm not even going to stop at the pearly gates to be interviewed. I'm going right in because I deserve it. Cornelius doesn't say that. Cornelius says, I want to know what else God has said that I need to hear. Cornelius did not see his good works as sufficient or complete without hearing what else God was now commanding through Jesus Christ. 
And so, in Acts 10, I want to begin now at verse 34 and read to verse 43. So, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that He sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, <clears throat> beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. Did you hear that last part? Everyone who believes in Christ receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now we already know Cornelius was a pretty good guy already. But he wasn't good enough. It was essential for him to hear about Jesus Christ who was crucified and raised from the dead so that people who were not good enough can be forgiven of their sin. And we read in Romans, nobody is good enough. As good as Cornelius was, he wasn't sinless. And after he heard this, verse 48 indicates that he was baptized. If I think I'm good enough without Christ and I dismiss the necessity of being baptized and being his disciple, I deceive myself and I set myself up for a judgment day surprise. One more stop. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. Perhaps the sermon would have had almost identical impact if I had just stood up here and read John 14, 6 and said, let's go home. You know I'm not so inclined, but here it is. The main point of this sermon, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
the way to God and to heaven, the truth about how to live and die, spiritual life, is not attainable on my own or on your own. Nobody is good enough. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. Paul could not come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Cornelius could not come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Michael Bloomberg cannot come to the Father and go to heaven except through Jesus Christ. I cannot, you cannot, your neighbors cannot, your family cannot. Nobody can come into fellowship with the Father and go to heaven except through Jesus Christ. We are not good enough on our own. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so... The apostle said, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost... Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, Do you know what Paul was able to say as a forgiven man in pursuit of being a disciple of Christ every day? Do you know what Paul was able to say as a forgiven man living in obedience to Christ? Two other statements he was able to make. In Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And in 1 Corinthians 15.10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Let us give up any idea. Let us give up any idea that we are sufficient to save ourselves, that we can get to heaven because of What great people we are. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You come to Christ by obeying the gospel. Hearing that message. Confessing your faith in Christ. Peter said, repent 
and be baptized. If you haven't done that, we urge that good response as we stand together to sing.